All right, so again, I'm Toby, not Adam, but that's okay. I can promise you, if I tell any jokes, they will be as corny, if not cornier than his. Um, And so I love when we have full sermons, but I got to tell you guys, I love when we do stuff like this because we get to sing more songs, and I feel like like, I love that. Do y'all like that? I don't know. I mean, I know because of time, we can't do that every single um, Saturday night, but I love that. So thank you guys for leading us in that time. So we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture. I'm not going to preach a sermon, uh, but I can tell you if I was, it would be pretty awesome because I have had a lot of practice, you know, teaching my kids calculus and teaching them things that are a little difficult to explain. I'm used to people on their cell phones. I can tell if you're on your cell phone right now. By the way, I'm really good at catching that. So I'm not going to preach a sermon. We're going to do a, a time of reflection. And, um, and again, I really like this, and I feel really honored that the elders of our church asked me to lead this because um, I know that I get so much out of this because having somebody who's experienced in the Bible, preaching the Bible is great. But having time to just sit and reflect and listen to the Holy Spirit, I can remember specific times over the last, like, 10 years where we've had things like this. And when my heart was open, I really heard from the Holy Spirit and got convicted about things that really made me change um, some things that I was thinking or doing or kind of got me on a new start. And so really want to encourage you, you know, it's really easy to look at certain passages of Scripture and say, I've heard that, I already know that. Um, but God always has something new to show us. And so the first passage, and if you look on your uh, little handout, it has the, the scriptures there, and we're going to have a slide up here that has it in the message translation, because I just want to share that to you, but feel free to open up your Bible to Matthew 22, chapter 22, verse 34. And so before I read this, I want to kind of ask you guys a question and think about um, a lot of times when we kind of start thinking about, okay, how should I live my life? How should I respond to this thing? How should I go talk to this person? We kind of think about, okay, what does the Bible say about this? What do, what do we know is the right thing? And then somewhere along the line we say, oh yeah, and how do I do that lovingly? Because that's important. Um, and I really feel like I've kind of been thinking about this over the past few weeks, talking with some of you um, about outcasts and people who don't necessarily fit in with church um, or aren't, you know, the typical people that we go after to join the church. Um, And love is a big deal with that. It's a big deal with everything. And so um, up there you can kind of see it, and I'm just going to read it. And again, this is the message translation. So this may not be exactly what you're used to. Feel free to open up your Bible and read from whatever translation you have. And so in verse 34, it says, When the Pharisees heard how Jesus had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religion scholars spoke up for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? This is the question we ask ourselves all the time today. Still, we know what is about to happen, but we still think like, well, what's more important than these things? Um, What are the things we have to get right? And so then in verse 37, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. And I really like that phrasing. It means the same thing of all your mind and heart and strength, but passion, prayer, and intelligence. To me, that just kind of makes me think about it a new way. This is the most important and the first on any list. But there is a second alongside of it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs, and everything in God's law and prophets hangs from them. And so when I think of a peg, 
I think of, you know, like what I hang my coat on or something that gets hung on. And if that peg is missing, what happens to your coat or purse? It falls. And so again, at the beginning, I had kind of said, think about sometimes when we think about what's this new initiative, what's this new ministry, what is something that I need to change in my life, and then how am I going to do that lovingly? Well, love is the peg, loving God and loving other people. And it has to come first. And I can tell you that this is something I'm telling myself. Um, It is love is something that I consider to be really important. I try to love people. I do love a lot of people. The gospel has totally changed my heart into being a much more loving person. So any of you feel like, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't like to hug a whole lot. Man, before the gospel, it was like cat with like, I didn't, I, you know, and I didn't care really how it hurt people's feelings because I just cared, hey, that makes me uncomfortable. And so the gospel has really changed my heart in this way, and I feel like this is going to be a lifelong thing. Um, and so we kind of think of love as a decoration sometimes. Love is something, hey, that's nice if we can get to that if we can. But the most important thing is that we get it right. And that's just not really what I see Jesus saying here. And so, um, The next passage that I really want to look at is really what Adam preached on last week. And so this would be Ephesians 2, and I'm just going to look at a really small part. He went through, like, I think verses 11 through 19 or maybe past that. I'm not really sure. And um, I'm just going to look at verses 14 through 18. And this is Ephesians chapter 2. And again, I'm going to read out of the message translation. And so as I'm reading this, I just want you to think about things— in our church, meaning Providence Community, the Church of America, or in America, um, or just the church as a whole, whatever kind of strikes your, strikes your mind at the time, and think about divisions that we have within our church, or think about divisions among Christians, or just among people who say that they're Christians even. And so in verse 14, and again, this is the message translation. Feel free. We're going to have some time of reflection here in a few minutes, and if you want to get your Bible out and look at it in your translation, um, that's, I would encourage you to do that. Um, so this is, the Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Does this sound familiar at all in our current world that we're living in? It really sounds familiar to me. It seems like you could say this about many things present day. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. And that's really good news, that they got a fresh start and we can always get a fresh start. I mean, that's, one of, that's really why, one of the reasons why the gospel is called good news, because it erases and makes anew, gives you a fresh start. And you can have that fresh start for every day of your life. Um, and so then going on in verse 16, this is the really interesting part that um, I had kind of already been thinking about. And then last week in Adam's sermon has really made me kind of think more about this. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. 
And so the, th- the reason I really think this is interesting is because like when, when I think of end of hostility, I mean, these are the things that if I was th- alive during this time, if I was in the new church and, um, and Jesus or Paul or whoever in the very early days when there weren't a whole lot of Christians and someone said, the kingdom has come and this is the end of hostility, my, I would be so, I mean, this is like Miss America, I want world peace. I mean, this is like, the, this is it. This is what everybody really wants, the end of hostility. And I imagine that they, like myself, get really sad when we see things in the world, and especially within the church, our church even, we're not excluded from this, but definitely they're in, in the church at large, there's a lot of hostility. You know, when people put up signs that says, God hates fags, that's hostility. It doesn't matter what you believe about homosexuality, that's hostility, and that's a huge barrier that people are putting up and saying, not welcome. And we got to think, you know, again, some of you even now are thinking, what does she mean by that? I just mean God doesn't hate. He doesn't put up a barrier, okay? Because if I know one thing about God, I know if, G- if I couldn't imagine Jesus holding up something and saying, no, there's a barrier here, then God's not doing that either. It's our interpretation maybe that is making us think that. And that's definitely not love first. Um, so you got to think, well, why is there hostility, especially within the church? Well, this is kind of, you know, the language of this passage is really thinking about the kingdom of God in the kingdom of God— in this new kingdom, there is no hostility. The barrier between people has been broken down. God, it says here, treated us equals, made us equals, and share the same spirit, have equal access to the Father. And we can look back on church history and, and, and today and see many instances where this has not happened. So we got to think, like, why is that? That's not the kingdom. We know a lot of people say they're part of the kingdom— but they're not really living the kingdom life, and we're not perfect. We don't get it right all the time. So sometimes we get it wrong again and again and again and again until one day the Holy Spirit knocks us upside our head and says, hey, cut this out. You are putting up a barrier between you and other people. And I have found this true to be in my own life. I used to be really prejudiced against certain types of people, generally people who had a lot of money, who had it really easy early on and who just everything seemed to fall in their lap. And that's like the easiest thing in the world to do is hate those people. But you know what? What I figured out was somebody else is looking at me saying, well, you're that type of person compared to how I grew up. And, you know, there are people in this church that I never thought I would be so close to just because our personalities are different or whatever. Um, And I think I could never be friends with them. And I wouldn't have without the gospel. Amy Kahn, for all that we are similar, we are so different. We look at things so differently, and although we've been friends, we've been in some huge fights. And since we've had the gospel, we disagree, but we can work stuff like that out. So if Amy Khan and I could be good friends, anybody could get along. And some of you, I think, you think it's funny because you're like, of course, Toby and Amy, y'all are like best friends. But that really has not always been the case. Um, it's kind of like sisters. You can be best friends and you can be worst enemies, but your blood. She and I are not really blood, so there have been times when we just like, see ya, not sure I'm going to see you again. I mean, really, this was all, you know, many years ago before I got so wise. So, 
you know, here's the deal. Like, we sing all these songs about mercy being unending, and I really believe that because if it's not, we have no hope because we have screwed it up so bad in so many ways. And by we, again, I'm not just saying the church, Jesus' church. I mean, like, myself, Toby Brooks, our church. We have not always gotten it right. But it's, we can have a fresh start, and we can always— you know, grow closer to Jesus. I think the thing is we have to have an open mind and an open heart to say, man, I've really been putting barriers up. And so last week, Adam really preached a lot about, he kind of used some phrases like us versus them, the others. I mean, if you think about it like with two sports teams, I hate that I'm up here and I'm going to give this analogy because I hate it. I hate sports analogies, but this is really good analogy. I mean, if you went down to Fair Park, is it whether you still have Texas OU? I don't even know, and I live in Dallas. But if you went down there and you just started just saying, you don't even have to talk badly about the other team. If you just profess to be of one team that's not the people around you, people get really angry. And that is something that's dumb. Okay, sorry, it is. Um, but when we think about things, you know, like our culture, where we grew up, things that we're really proud of because of the way our parents raised us or something, that gets into like where you, it's really easily to be offended when somebody else is showing up and saying, I don't believe any of that. I'm not like that at all. And, you know, we're always going to kind of rub each other. People are going to rub each other the wrong way because we're not all the same. And I do think it's human nature to kind of get with your people and it's like gang mentality. You can call it tribal mentality, but it's almost like a gang. Like, I'm going to protect us. And we're not going to let anybody in unless they're really like us. Okay? And we're going to be guarded until that happens. That is what's going to happen in the world. But that should never be what happens in the church. Obviously. I mean, we know this. This isn't like, what? This is like obvious stuff, right? The thing is, though, this does happen within the church. There have been people who come into our church and don't feel part of the clique, part of the gang, part of the group. And I don't think it's because anybody in our church is being like, you don't belong, get out of here, okay? Um, it's, it's for the most part not knowing things. And definitely within the church, meaning all Christians in the world, we can, it's easy to see this happening. It's always easier to see, see things happening in other people. Well, we can't control what other people do. We can only control, really, and God's in control, but we can only really change our own hearts. And I really like that. We're kind of in this time in our church where we really have an opportunity to kind of say, we've done things a certain way for a while, and it was working, but now it's not so much working. So let's see, let's dig deeper within it inside ourselves. And so I have some questions and these are the questions that are on your paper, and you're going to have some time to reflect. And I really just want you to really think about these questions. These are questions that people have been asking me, and I've had this conversation with many of you in this room over the past year, if not longer. And again, a lot of this goes to what Adam preached about last week. Um, and so the first question are, who are the outcasts in my life? I mean, we know we're called to love the outcasts. And some of you may feel like you're an outcast. In certain groups, I know I feel like an outcast because, um, I mean, like in certain churches, 
I felt like because I wasn't married and had kids, there was no place for me. I was just in a holding pattern until I got to that point. So I know what it's like. All of us know what it's like to feel like an outcast. Okay, some people definitely more than others. So I want you to think about the people in your life who are outcasts, are poor, are powerless. Um, They don't have a lot of people on their side. Who are those people? You can think of specific people, maybe someone you work with, um, someone who lives by you, someone in your family, um, people in the church. Um, Or you could think about groups of people, homeless people. They really are the, you know, the most powerless people. Um, that I see on a daily basis around where I live. And um, they're definitely outcasts. If they walked into a Starbucks, everybody is going to turn around and look at them, and they're going to feel, they're going to know. That doesn't make them any less of a person. Um, The way people look, race, lifestyle choices, the things, characteristics people are born with, whatever it may be, you're probably already thinking about specific people or specific groups of people. Like, I really believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we're gathered here in this setting. And so I really want you to hang on to that, whatever is kind of being tugged at your heart. And then here's the next question. How would Jesus react or respond to these people? Or who are the people Jesus would want to spend time with? If Jesus followed me around all day to my job, to my house, here, who are the people he would go out of his way to love on? Because that's what I see, um, Jesus going out of his way to love on the people who really needed it. Because there's certain people that are just going to naturally come to Jesus. He didn't really go out of his way to find those people. They found him, and we see that happening as well. Um, But who are the people that Jesus goes out of his way? Because he knows the slightest thing may have turned them away. And they don't have a whole lot to risk. And so why would they risk it? Okay? And some of these people definitely sought Jesus out. But some of them didn't. They had no idea what was happening when this man came up to them. And so I want you to think, how would Jesus relate to them? Which naturally is going to lead you to your own thoughts about, you know, are you being Jesus to these people? And we screw this up all the time. But I think the goal is just to get better at it each week. Just to have an open heart and an open mind about, am I going to be Jesus today or am I not going to be? I mean, really, that's a big thing, you know, we have to ask ourselves. And then that's kind of more personal. And so then the next part, and then there's a prayer there if you'd like to pray that prayer, like, as we reflect. And then the next one is, why don't certain people feel welcomed in the church? I really... I really went back and forth on, should that be the church or our church? You make up your mind. There are certain people who don't feel welcomed in the church, meaning they don't feel like they could go into any church. And then there are certain people who may not feel welcome in our church, okay? And none of us want that. We're not going out of our way. I don't see this saying, you're not welcome here, but are we being welcoming? Um, And what am I doing? What am I not doing? Um, And sometimes we think, well, I can't help that. But there's a lot of things we can help. What is our first reaction when others come into our church? So however you want to categorize others. I mean, I think the goal is at the end of our life that we don't think this way. Others. Um, Like, who are the others? That really puts an us versus them thing. We're this type of people. They're that type of people. There's, and not, you know, we're always going to have differences among us, but 
what is our first reaction when people come into our church or come into my life? I mean, I'm putting our church here, but we could just as easily say our lives. And then there's a prayer there as well. And so I want to kind of give you this time just to reflect on this and pray. Feel free to pray um, the Book of Common Prayers there um, as you think this through. We're going to do this for a little bit, and then we're going to kind of close up with another song in communion. And so when you see me down here, feel free to come down and start taking communion. Um, So thank you again. I really want to say, I know I'm not like preaching a sermon. I'm not going to become a preacher or anything, but I really do feel honored to be able to share a little bit. And um, I just want to say thank you for dealing with me. This thing is, I just want to say this. This thing is really strange. The first thing I thought it was like Britney Spears. And so sorry to like kind of ruin the moment, but I just kind of had to put that in there. So um, Spencer's going to play. Really, guys, if you feel led to kind of pray with another person around you, do that. If you just want to pray on your own, do that as well. close with this prayer, and um, I'm going to add in just a few words as I was kind of thinking of some things. I'm going to add in just a little bit. Lord, make us instruments of your peace in our cities, homes, neighborhoods, and places of work. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.
Um, before we actually do our last song and have communion, um, I want to kind of give an update on the, uh, the team in El Paso and kind of say a prayer for their safe return. If you haven't been following them on the blog, I would encourage you to do that. There's a lot of pictures um, posted on Instagram and Twitter. And so they've done, I talked to Adam on the phone earlier today, and they've been able to do so much more than they, what they thought because of the number of people that went and their willingness to help. And um, they've been able to get that uh, shed up. They've been able to go through all these cans of food, which a lot of them kind of were busted because they get a lot of things that are donated. And they've been able to go through it. And I think they've really been able to bless the people there, um, including Carla's parents. And I think the people there have really been blessed and been able to work together. Um, and so, Lord, I just pray. Thank you so much that you've been able to send some people from our little church to help them out. And I just thank you so much for each person that was willing to give up time and money um, and be away from their life for a little bit to go help those people. Um, I pray that they are blessed and that they learn more about your love um, by serving the people there. And Lord, um, I really pray that whatever needs that they have in the ministry or in the town there, that um, you would just be able to let those needs be filled. Lord, I pray that there would never be any hesitation to ask for something they think is um, too big or too much, but Lord, let their let them be able to give them everything they need um, before they leave tomorrow. I pray that you would just bring home um, our people safely tomorrow, that they would be safe on the road, Lord, and that um, everything that in their houses that they haven't been able to take care of, Lord, that it would all work out when they return, and that they would be able to come back and really bless the church with a lot of stories about what happened. I just thank you so much again um, for that team and bring them home safely tomorrow.